Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. My name is Cora Gernon. I created the space for women to share all of the details surrounding their pregnancy, labour, birth and everything in between without feeling shy about the detail. Sit back and enjoy over 100 hours of birth stories told by you, the listeners. Hello, I hope you've all had a lovely week. There's not much going on in this house. We're just going on lovely day trips with Oliver's friends potty training Eva and when I say that she's pretty much potty trained herself Oliver decided to do the same at the age of two so I have absolutely no complaints and feel very lucky that they have made it very easy for me to just quickly mention a few things number one the live birth stories on the 2nd of September in Birtown House in a Thai and it's kind of creeping up on me now so um yeah it's getting really soon so I'm really excited to see you all there it's going to be such a gorgeous morning slash brunch um, event and time together and a really safe space and that's what I want it to be so if you want your ticket as I said there's only going to be about 40 people there max 50 Um, so I will leave the show the link in the show notes if you want to get your ticket as soon as possible Um, and if there is demand I will of course put another event on which would be amazing also I'm adding some birthner totes to the some, some of the podcast merchandise which will hopefully be available by the end of the week so I'll pop it up on the website as well when it is ready thank you for the orders during the week by the way uh, really cool to see them coming in and your support has been incredible so thank you this episode this week is really tough to listen to but I think it's a very important episode to kind of give you a, a little bit of a warning um there's a few curse words in there i haven't bleeped them out i've left them in i think it's just a very it's part of the conversation um there michelle talks about her one pregnancy and the birth of her son she talks about her severe crippling anxiety throughout her entire pregnancy constant fear constant worry um that something was going to go wrong throughout her entire pregnancy um, she then had a birth experience which, which wasn't one that she hoped for, which left her really vulnerable, not only physically, but also mentally. 
she then went on to talk to me about her postnatal depression, which, and I think it's one of the rawest accounts of postnatal depression um, that I've ever heard. Um, she talks, and but then the other side of it, she talks about that the day that was her worst day yet, she couldn't have felt worse that very day. She was sitting on the floor crying, looking at her son, and she somehow found the power in her legs to get up, get out the door, go for a walk with her baby. And she went in the direction of a woman who ended up basically changing her life. Um, I'll let her tell you all of the details surrounding that, but it's just one of those moments that she'll never forget. Um, so there's a really important message there in that part of her story. Her son was also admitted to hospital um when he was 12 days old, which really added to everything that was going on. Thankfully, he was okay and they did get home together as a family. Um, But it wasn't, I suppose, you know, the relief of getting home together as a family and, you'd, you know, you'd hope to start again and have skin to skin and really spend time to get to know him. But she didn't have that experience because she was crippled with postnatal depression. So I will let you hear all of the details surrounding her story. She did an incredible job of sharing as much as she did. And she did so for as the majority of the people do on this podcast, she did so for those of you who are are also suffering from anxiety, postnatal depression, um, birth trauma, but also those of you who are living with people or who know people who are suffering as well. And you can tell them that they're not alone. There is help there. There is light at the end of the tunnel. And I would also pop a few supports in the show notes um, of some people who are professionals in this area when it comes to um, supporting people who need that little bit of help. So thank you again, Michelle, for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. So, Michelle, you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Do you want to just start by giving us a little introduction to you and your family? Um, yes, yeah, so I'm Michelle. I am 33. I don't know if you need to know that. Um, there is just me and my fiance and my nine month old, he's nine months next week, um, baby boy. That's it. <laughs> That's a nice age. I enjoyed nine months. It's, it's fabulous. Yeah, it's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, things are getting much better. Um, and I'm starting to come out of the fog as, yeah. well, as well. Yeah, so it is. It's really a nice age. And he's smiling and laughing. And he's, I was, I had to pop into work um, just to chat about stuff. And yeah. my boss said that her cheeks were sore from smiling at him, that he was such a ah. smiling baby. So, yeah, he's he's great now. He's great. So will we dive into his birth then? Do you want to talk to us about conception? Um, yeah, so a little surprise, a happy surprise, but a surprise nonetheless. Um, completely unexpected. Um, yeah, just, it's, it's really cliche, I suppose, but like just really shocked. Um, and How did you find out? <laughs> I tested on the test the seven days before your period is due um, because I just felt terrible. Okay. Um, I just felt absolutely rotten. And I, this, it wasn't COVID or anything like that. I just 
so tired I had a metallic taste in my mouth apparently that's a thing I didn't know what it was but I mean properly like so fatigued I was working from home but I just could not keep my eyes opened and I was going for naps at lunchtime um and anyone that knows me knows I'm I'm not a napper I'm I'm not I'm not like that you know I, I can't sleep during the day and one of my my friends said to me you're, you're pregnant <laughs> I was like no 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 I'm not and then just something I that night then I got such a bad pain in my side and I was googling all the symptoms and I was like oh my god what's this so I went and got a test and yeah straight away it came up I was only like one to two weeks pregnant um and I hadn't even been a delayed period yet I just I, I don't know I, I don't know how I knew but I kind of had that feeling you know once she said that I was like oh my god here we go um and it was just shock really and it, it's hard to explain how you can be shocked I mean you have unprotected sex there's a possibility you get pregnant but like I just the two of us were in complete shock um he when he got home from work that night I told him that it's just such bad timing um we had just put down a deposit on a new build um and you know all the stuff with the mortgage if there's any change in your circumstances and we had just about got it and I was actually for 13 weeks pregnant moving into this house um so everything kind of just all happened at once um yeah, it's a tough I, time. Like I've heard stories of people. I actually heard a story recently of someone, you know, the way these mortgage applications take so long. And by the time they were getting ready to draw down, yeah, this woman was heavily pregnant, but she had, she was actually, and at the time that they had applied for the mortgage, she wasn't even showing. So she was yeah. ready to draw down when she was heavily pregnant. So they said nothing on purpose and she sent her twin sister in. I was like changes. that now yeah I was I was terrified obviously I wasn't shown or anything and but I was I was like every time I was like thinking or talking to someone on the phone I was like really I'm not pregnant. <laughs> I was like, I'm, not, I'm not pregnant and then um luckily enough with the health forms for the health insurance and everything I hadn't oh, even yeah. my, my GP yet so right, yeah. was, uh, well I had but you know there was nothing on you know or anything like that so yeah it was just it was it was happy surprise now but it was it was quite bad timing and so it was actually probably really physical time as well for when you were packing up and moving into a new house you, you would oh, have to yeah. really mind yourself we, we joke about it now with my um with Damien's dad um that like did they not notice that like every time something had to be lifted like I was running to the other room and yeah quite bad morning sickness and I was like trying to <laughs> throw up really quietly while they were all running around the place and I had just this fear I was like he's going to think I'm the laziest little shite <laughs> on the planet like um but you no know, no one noticed um and we were in the house about a week and I the scan like your 12 week scan I didn't get it till like I was 15 weeks okay we still hadn't told anyone and um I told my mother and my sister but other than that I had told no one and his mom was in the house and she's like oh next you'll be the picture pasture of tiny feet and all this and I was like little did she know (laughs) what does she know what does she know um but yeah it was just it was such a surprise and you know people struggle 
so much to have a baby. Mm. And I just had this overwhelming guilt on top of everything else. This had happened. We weren't sure. We didn't know what we were going to do. I was upset. He was upset. We were moving into a new house. And just I just got so bogged down in everything physical sickness but emotionally like straight away as soon as I found out I was pregnant I just went on this massive <laughs> massive I won't say downward spiral because I was a part of me was excited but I just had this it was just overwhelming the guilt that I had that like we hadn't even tried and you know we hadn't really fully discussed it and then all of a sudden there was a baby there and and then I had the guilt that I was feeling that way, you know, because like that, my my best friend, they were trying for over a year to have a baby. And then, oops, <laughs> here we go. Mm. Um, and I think that was the start of it then. Um, just, I had such a textbook pregnancy, like very little morning sickness, the tiredness, yeah. Didn't really have any other symptoms towards the end, the tiredness, the back pain, but it was pretty textbook. But just in my head, it was just, I was completely overwhelmed and I didn't have any words for it. I didn't feel like I could put it into words to anybody because that that guilt that I shouldn't have been feeling like that. And when you say feeling like, do you have words for it now? Do you know? No, no, no. I just know that when I was feeling so unsure about everything, that this guilt on top of it, I felt guilty then for feeling, you know, feeling the way I was feeling. And it just completely manifested itself then. Looking back, I can see it now. Um, I was diagnosed with postnatal depression. Um, But looking back, I can see it now. It was literally from the very start, I just went on a spiral. Mm. Um, And if looking back if I I'm probably not making sense sorry but if if I could if I could pull myself out of it now I would like and I could look back I, I probably would have been able to but at the time I just was just completely overwhelmed with everything I, I still don't have words for it but even we went in for my first scan and <sighs> It sounds like, I kind of, again, I feel awful putting it into words because people have babies that are so wanted and they're so everything. And there was me with a baby in my belly and I went in and I was just convinced that there was going to be something wrong, Mm, that something was going to happen. And I know every mother feels like that, but I, I was just, I went in for the scan and... I was obviously on my own it was it it was during COVID and (laughs) the sonographer said oh there's a heartbeat and I just burst into tears not even tears he had to stop I had to sit up I was just completely overwhelmed I couldn't talk I was (laughs) fretting it was just like that but even that release of emotion I, it was, I was fine for a day or two and then after I came out of the hospital again these feelings of oh, something's going to happen. 
oh, they, uh, something's going to happen to me. I don't deserve this. I don't know what's happening. Oh, no, in my luck, everything happens to me. Something will go wrong. I was just that extreme. I was so convinced that something was going to go wrong. I was waiting for something to happen. Mm. And uh, yeah, it kind of just went on like that. When I had my 20 week scan, found out what I was having. I thought that finding out what I was having would make everything better. Again, I was fine. The day in the hospital, once they said everything was fine, I went home delighted with life. And I woke up that night and just this dread. It, it, I just can't describe it. And again, I even now talking about it, I have so much guilt associated with that. Like I should have enjoyed being pregnant. I should have enjoyed everything. I should have enjoyed. But in the back of my mind, there was just always, always something. Oh, I just couldn't relax with anything. Um, I woke up, uh, like I said, after that 20 week scan, I woke up and I woke up in the middle of the night and I was just sitting there and my hands were shaking. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I just, this terror <laughs> was on me that, that that something was going to happen to me and that I shouldn't be feeling like this. And, mm. do you know, it was just, and I know there, again, like every mother has this, but I just feel looking back that I shouldn't have been waking up like a couple of hours after my scan, after finding every out everything was fine, 20 weeks. I, I know things happen after 20 weeks, but generally once everything's fine there kind of on the on the street and I know couldn't relax couldn't enjoy myself I just yeah so it just it started off bad <laughs> did it just consume your like that's the word your yeah. entire life like even how did you work were you able to have conversations with people without thinking about it no it absolutely no. consumed me yeah. even when I was talking to people they're like you must be I was delighted don't get me wrong there was a part of me I was like oh there's a baby in my belly but this it just this fear and this spiral of negativity just mm. absolutely consumed me and then like I said I had this guilt that I was feeling that way and I just it's not talked about enough, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know maybe not to the extent that I have it or some people have had it worse, but I just think that feeling is not talked about enough mm-hmm. and it's not mainstream knowledge and it's, you know, there's people like you and, you know, like there's loads of women on Instagram that are all advocates for all this, but you have to go looking for that. Yeah. And you have to be in that mind frame to go looking for it. And I just couldn't understand why I was feeling this way. And yeah, it utterly consumed me. Even my baby shower, like I had thought of my baby shower. I was like, I'm having too much fun. I'm going to have a miscarriage. Mm, <laughs> and yeah. it was as blunt as that. And that I know that's a horrible thing to say, but like every time I went to the bathroom at my baby shower, I was like checking for blood. The necker check. I know. Yeah. 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 Um, but like it was just back of my mind and people rubbing my belly and my sister is absolutely mad about him and she'd be rubbing my belly and she'd be talking to my belly and I'd be enjoying it but at the back of my mind I was like don't get too attached Mm. (laughs) and that feeling of not getting too attached I can see it now it was a I was disconnecting Mm. so I was happy about being pregnant I could feel the baby in my belly I was even getting up in the middle of the night and being like can I feel the baby moving? 
again, I know everybody does that, but I mean, I would be up every hour. I like, you know, my eyes would snap up and I'm like, is the baby there? Just, and I'm like, tonight's the night now, something's going to happen. <laughs> it was just, and this detachment then, I kind of went all the way up and along. And yeah, then I had the big baby thing in the hospital. Um, everything was fine. He was perfect. Knew I was having a boy. And again, I I hate talking like this again. I, I just want to reiterate, because uh, I know there's people that are want pregnancy so bad. So again, even now, I still have this guilt when I'm talking like this. But when I found out he was a boy, I had just, I was so disappointed. And I know that's a thing. Absolutely. I, Michelle, everything you're saying, yeah. other people feel. So I don't, I, I don't feel like you need to like buffer anything. <laughs> right. at all. You, you don't. I know. I just, I don't want anyone. I, you know, I, I kind of want to speak because I have, yeah. I have heard people talking like this, but I don't think it's talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of why I wanted to say it. But yeah, I was disappointed when they said it was a boy. Don't know why but it was this disconnect again and gender disappointment is a thing but again I had to go looking to find that that was fairly mm-hmm. common but again I I was crushed as in not crushed that it was a boy but I was crushed that I was feeling that way okay because I yeah. should have been excited and I should have been happy and I was like what is wrong with me and just that I felt so isolated and so lonely in my head. And I just, I, <laughs> I couldn't escape the thoughts. Um, did you speak to anyone or did you speak to, no? I, I just, the guilt that I was feeling that way, I just, I couldn't bring myself at the time to say it to anybody. Um. And then I was going into the hospital and then they started talking that he was going to be a big baby and they started talking about inducing me and all this. (laughs) I know now (laughs) that obviously that, but I was just totally, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to have a big baby. How am I going to be able for this? I don't think I'm going to be able for this, blah, 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 blah. So we went in for the induction and it was all that. And I was reading up on the inductions and I really thought that because of the way I was feeling that I was quite informed. But now I realise that I I was actually just being completely (laughs) like one track mind that I couldn't really see out of it. And it's funny, um, you know, Pam, I think you talked to her. She's on Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I she said something I can't even remember what it was, and I wrote to her on Instagram and I said, "Oh, I'm being induced next week," and blah blah. And she came back and she said, "Why are you being induced?" <laughs> and that I was, was going like, to be my oh, next question: Why yeah, are you induced? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Oh, it's measuring big and blah blah blah." And she came back and she said, "Oh, you know, your choice wouldn't whatever." Really nice about it. Yeah. And I was like, I actually wrote back to her and I said. Yeah, I know. I know. But, you know, I feel like I'm informed enough and I think this is okay. Somebody like if somebody just had given me a slap like. But yeah, 
this whole big baby thing I was going to have a big baby they were estimating him well over 10 pounds um I like that put the fear of absolute god into me and I was like there we go now that's what I get this this is my punishment I it just it doesn't even make sense now when I'm talking about it I just remember these flashes of things popping into my head and that's one of the things when they taught me oh yeah you're having a big baby they had been saying it all along it wasn't anything new but coming towards the end when they started talking about induction and all this I was like there you go that's what you get now that's it you're 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 having a huge baby this is your punishment I don't I I don't even know I I I don't I can't even put it into words now what I was thinking at the time um so yeah as I've alluded to I was brought in at 39 weeks um I was brought in on the Thursday and I was exactly 39 weeks the Friday and I just I had to go in on the Thursday morning, they were like, yeah, yeah, you're being induced on the Friday. But I had to present at the hospital really early. And they gave me the gels that night. And I remember thinking, what are these now? Wait, I'm not being induced till tomorrow. I was completely naive. I was like, oh, I didn't think things were happening till tomorrow. But then as soon as I was checked in and I was given my bed, they started giving me the gels. So really, they started it on the Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I thought... I didn't know that all this was going to happen. I thought that I was going to be able to like psych myself up and do all this. And all of a sudden there's doctors coming in and they're putting gels up you. And then (laughs) you're like, oh my God. And that night I was getting such severe pains in my back. So I had obviously not slept the night before. I wasn't sleeping anyway because I was so anxious about everything. And I went in and didn't sleep all that night. The pain in my back was just, I've never felt anything like it. My back was cramping, if that even makes sense. It was like stomach cramps, but in my back. At one point, the cramps were so bad that my <laughs> my bum was clenching involuntarily from the cramps and my legs were like contracting. I was so uncomfortable. I felt like I couldn't move. I couldn't walk. And I didn't want to say anything to the nurse all night. Again, in my head, I was like, oh, don't say anything. You know, you're being a whiner. You're being a moaner. Didn't say anything. But that morning I said, oh, like I've had a really, really bad night and I don't feel well. And my mum had said to me that all her labour for me and my sister was in her back. And that was on uh, that was on the back of my mind. I kept saying that there's something happening, there's something, whatever. And um, I was just was completely dismissed. Like you know, I, it, I, it, to them, nothing was happening because my stomach wasn't contracting. The doctor came in and I wasn't dilated at all. And the doctor was like, "You're not dilated." I was like, "I've literally, I've had a dreadful night." I might not be dilated. I might not be in considering what you're in labour, but I was like, there's something happening. I'm not comfortable. I'm really upset. And she put another gel up me. <laughs> that was their answer. Another gel. Yeah, we'll get you dilated. Um, I was just, I was so upset and I was so tired and I was so exhausted. And again, I was having all these negative thoughts like about, well, I should, I should be happy 
baby's coming, I should be happy. And really, I was just, I was in complete fear. And so, sorry, that word fear, that's what I was going to ask you next. Yeah. Did you do any preparation? So did you attend an antenatal class? Um, the HSE online. Okay. Um, and to be honest, barely. Um, I know the midwives are amazing and stuff, but I was like, this is this is all what everybody knows. Mm. I mean, there's there's nothing there's nothing here. They were talking about your epidural. I think I missed one because I was actually still at work when they were happening. Um, and because it was on Zoom, I was kind of <laughs> I was in my office at work, and I was just listening in on the headphones. Yeah, and kind of half picking up on what was going on, you know. Um, it, a sign of the times, I suppose, like, no, you know, there was no antenatal classes going on, but I just, I don't feel that the, there was actually anything said that I didn't know. Like there was no, what I considered important stuff. Mm. Talk, sorry, that's my cat. <laughs> if it's not a baby, it's a cat. Um, there's no, I don't know what I think that they should have talked about, but I remember being like, is this it? like is is this all they're going to talk to me about um and I know there was other stuff that's what I say and I wrote back to Pam and I was like no I, I think I'm informed enough <laughs> I really I thought I was uh, but this overwhelming fear I just I again I just I can't I can't put it into words how I felt there was guilt and then there was guilt for feeling guilty and then I was upset and my partner came in, um, he came in nine o'clock, I think it was the Friday morning, he came in first thing and I had said to him, I had a really bad night and I was really upset and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do and everyone was like, try and get some rest, but I, I couldn't rest, this, this pain in my back wasn't letting up, I couldn't rest, I couldn't sit still, I couldn't walk, I couldn't, re- you, you know, I wasn't completely incapacitated, but I just, I wasn't comfortable at mm. all. And everyone kept telling me that nothing was happening and nothing was going on. So, again, leading into, I suppose, my mental health issues from the very start, I was like, well, what what the hell is going on? What, what, what What's wrong with me that I'm feeling like this? And it, I felt like what was going on wasn't normal because I felt like no one was really listening to me. They kept telling me that I wasn't dilated and there was nothing happening. But yeah, how could nothing be happening when I felt so dreadful? And then I had this thought, I was like, oh, my God, how bad is it going to get? I mean, if the doctors and midwives are telling me that there's nothing happening and I feel like this. And I just went into full blown panic mode then. Didn't say I didn't tell anyone, but I, I could just feel it in myself. I just went into absolute panic. So my partner came in and then they came along with another gel <laughs> um, about. So I got three gels. Um, everything is a little bit foggy so I, I I don't know the exact times yeah. or exact timeline but I got a third gel and the midwife was like oh walk the legs off yourself now do you know that kind of way and I was like and all I want to do is sleep for a week like I just feel dreadful but anyway we went for a walk and we went downstairs and we went outside and I kept stopping every few minutes with these pains in my back and my bum clenching and my legs tightening can I ask you a question sorry yeah. before they gave you the 
most recent gel that you mentioned, did they see if you were dilated at all at that again, stage? Yeah, and again, they did the same thing. Oh, sorry, uh, okay. I, yeah, I don't, I don't. Oh, sorry, I think I was like, she said that she could get the tip of her pinky in there. That okay. I was barely a centimetre. I'm not entirely sure of what she said. I was slightly opened, but nothing to write home about. They they were like, should be hours or whatever. And just on that, before I continue, two people that have never had a baby before. My partner was very much influenced by what they were saying to me. And not in a horrible way, but mm-hmm. in the doctors and midwives are saying that you're fine and nothing's wrong. So when I was saying, no, there, there's, I'm, I don't feel right. I feel like I'm about to have a baby, but nothing. Why am I dilating? He's like, fine, you're fine, you're fine. Very heavily influenced. So looking back, I, I really, I know, I, I don't know how they could stop it, but I felt like they shouldn't have been talking to me like that. Like when the doctor said to the midwife, oh, she's barely whatever. They didn't talk to me. They didn't talk to him. They talked to each other and he overheard it. And then he came back to me and he said, oh, there's nothing happening. Like, so I I, I was just, I I actually don't even know how I was feeling at that point in time. I I went so into myself. It sounds that way. Yeah, it really does. It sounds like there was a lot going on and I mean they they could have spoke to me but by that point I was just like what the fuck is wrong with you Michelle like what the fuck is wrong with you 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 must be imagining all this that's going on in your body because you're saying that there's nothing wrong with you and you're not dilating and then I was like see you're so fucked up you're not even dilating like that's how bad I had gotten like from the whole (laughs) that's it it sounds incredibly silly now and but it actually doesn't it doesn't because (laughs) honestly because it goes like I know what you're talking about can you hear me Poppy I can yeah when you're talking about anxiety during pregnancy like it can be crippling and then you're like you're saying nope I can feel baby move or I can feel this and the other but half an hour later you're like you have to stop yourself sometimes from checking again just in case you do feel like you're you know you're not feeling doing it being normal I'm doing yeah that you can't see you're being OTT that was the thing I got to the point where I couldn't stop couldn't stop yourself yeah couldn't stop these intrusive thoughts Mm. but then I was punishing myself for thinking these thoughts and it was just a vicious cycle um and again like that it's just I felt so what's the word I had the word is escaping me now, but I just felt like I was the only person in the world that ever felt like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that that's kind of why, like, I'm very open with people now and I'm like, I had a horrible labor. I had a horrible time in pregnancy. Didn't have a horrible pregnancy, but I had a horrible time in pregnancy. Whether I should or I shouldn't be, I don't know whether I'd put people off for life having a baby, but I'm, I'm quite open about it now because I feel that that's what I needed um just to go somewhere and hear someone say that's actually okay to feel that way and you know you maybe you need a little bit of help because you're you're gone to the other extreme I knew deep down that I had gone to another extreme but I just couldn't bring it up enough to verbalize it or to acknowledge it myself a part of me knew that it wasn't right how I was feeling 
um but I just couldn't bring it to the surface um but yeah um So out of my two children, Eva is naturally the most curious. She wants, she's in at everything. She wants to see what's in every press. She wants to see how every toy works. It's just into everything. And although it's, it's just a new way of parenting that I didn't have with Oliver. I just had to be prepared for this child who needs constantly, who's being stimulated constantly. So say hello to Brain Building with Panda Crate. It's exactly what I needed. It's a subscription service for Play Essentials designed just for babies and toddlers aged 0 to 24 months. It's created by play experts at KiwiCo in partnership with Seattle Children's Hospital. Panda Crate is thoughtfully designed with care to stimulate your baby's brain development through play. Panda Crate is a science-backed, research-based approach to play and recognises that there's more to babyhood than the milestones itself. So within the Panda Crate, there was lacing beads. So Eva can sit down and do something like a jigsaw, but she'll have it done really quickly. And she, with the lacing beads, it takes her just a couple of minutes and she has to use both hands so she can really explore each piece, thread the shapes onto a string and develop bilateral coordination. Really, really handy. And also there is a peg puzzle. So it's another way to solve shapes and it's nice. They're nice wooden, robust toys. They're easy to clean, nice solid shapes. And I find the other toys that you put, for her anyway, to put, uh, say, a block into something is far too easy. So the peg puzzle was just really ha- handy. It challenged her a little bit more than the others. Whether you're a first-time parent or not, Panda Crate provides a way to simplify the early years with just right products to support your baby's rapid development in the first two years of life. Countless errors go into creating the playthings in this box. KiwiCo designers ideate, iterate and prototype test, review and revise and then they do it all again. So every material, colour, angle and curve is a thoughtful choice designed to stimulate your baby's brain development through play. And as I mentioned before, you can really see that in, especially with the pieces in the peg puzzle. Unlock brain building play and create a foundation for early learning with Panda Crate from KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping with code IRE birth at kiwico.com. That's 30% off your first month at kiwico.com with promo code IRE birth. On to the rest of this week's episode. Then we had our little walk around, longest walk around maternity hospital of my life. I was so uncomfortable, so heavy, and my back was sore and. Damien, he brought me a Diet Coke and a coffee. He was like, you might as well now. You've been, <laughs> you know, you're nearly there. Um, and he said, do you know what? I'm, I'll go home. Um, because he didn't really sleep the night before because I kept texting him, like, just in bits. Like, it was so unfair. But I kept texting my mom and I kept texting him. And I was like, I just can't sleep. But I can't stand up to go to the toilet either. I feel like I feel like I'm going to fall over if I go to the toilet. And just so he decided that he was going to go home, have some lunch, and then he would come back to me later on. Because, again, it was that whole, the doctors had said to each other the doctors and the midwives had said to each other that there was nothing happening nobody actually sat down and explained to me what I was supposed to be feeling like what was supposed to be happening 
it was just oh, I, can, I can barely get the top of my pinky finger or whatever it was in there but again they said that to each other yeah um I didn't know what that meant he didn't know what that meant I just thought <laughs> I actually thought I was broken I was like here you go fucking there there you go now you were waiting for something bad to happen now something's bad happening I'm, you're, you're completely broken I just went into a spiral but I said to myself I'm going to they gave me the injection then is it petadine they finally gave me the injection oh, yeah at the pet thing and they were like yeah okay that's grand after three gels after no sleep or whatever they finally gave it to me and I said oh that's great I'm going to try and go to sleep now talk to you later love blah 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 and I went up and the pethidine obviously got rid of the severe pain but there was just still this sensation in my back um that I just I couldn't rest and lying down on the bed and I literally flopped over to the side um and I was like Jesus I don't feel her I think I need to go to the toilet and um, I got up and my waters broke so they had gone from saying that nothing was happening and make it you know and then all of a sudden my waters broke so I, I think at that point then I went into shock Again, this is all looking back, but I think at that point, it wasn't like a, my what, I think at that point, I just completely shut down. I was just like, and I was standing there and I was wearing pyjama bottoms because I had walked around the hospital and I literally, I was wearing a nightdress over pyjama bottoms and I literally lifted up the nightdress, but I didn't do anything with the pyjama bottoms. I was just standing there. I was looking down and I was like, oh, so I rang the bell, but I just stood there. Like I just completely, I just stood there like, like, a, like someone that had just wet themselves, literally that like didn't know what to do. And the midwife come in and I was like, my water's broke. And she went, all right, do you want to sit down? Like <laughs> There was nothing. There was nothing. Oh, okay. That's fine. Whatever. She kind of actually, I think she said to me, are you sure? And I went, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and did I want to sit down? Sorry. Did you feel um, just like completely vacant at that time? Did you? How did you- yeah, that's thinking back now that that's the point where I really started to. Zone oh, out. Or- that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and she's like, do you want to sit down? And I went, okay. And actually, I rang, I rang Damien before I rang the bell for the midwife because I was like, oh, Damien's just gone. Oh, no, I want him to come back. So I actually rang him. And I said, don't, don't, don't leave Limerick. My waters are broke. And he went, what? OK, OK. But he'd literally just left the hospital after being told that, like, well, sorry, again, I wasn't told. But mm, basically, yeah. the, it was inferred that nothing was happening. Um, And... Yeah, he he obviously came back, but I looked up at one point. This is how disconnected I was. And I thought it was just all adrenaline and stuff like that. But I actually think I completely disconnected from everything. I looked up at one point and he was just there. And I went, oh, when did you come back? And he said, I said hello to you there about whatever time it was. And I was like, oh, OK. And I was like, I don't feel I don't feel well. <laughs> 
and I kept saying I didn't feel well but obviously I was I was in labor then mm. um and you know I was getting contractions and everything I couldn't put a timeline really on anything after that um because like that I looked up at one stage and oh you're here Damien said I got examined again from a doctor while he was there I don't remember this but the doctor said that I was only something like maybe three or four centimeters and again the conversation over Damien's head me I don't even remember the doctor examined me and they're like it'll be hours yet you know like that so (laughs) I set up literally sitting on the edge of the bed and I I, anybody that has a baby will know what the contractions are like but oh my god they just kept coming and coming and coming and it was going into my back I felt like it was going up my spine at one stage like it was going up my back I don't even know how this is physically possible and I don't know if this was just something that I was not doing but just because of how it worked I felt like it was going into my brain like just the the, it was traveling up to my brain and it was just I was just in pain everywhere and I hadn't told anyone that I was panicking like I said earlier I I knew that I I was getting into that spiral but I never said to anybody that I'm I'm panicking I'm really panicking here um so (laughs) I kept saying to Damien I was like this isn't right this isn't right I can't breathe and again and this isn't anything against him he was so heavily influenced by what the doctors and nurses were saying he was like you're fine you're okay you're all right and one thing excuse me that I distinctly remember is a midwife came in to see was I all right popped around the curtains and I will never forget the smell of chicken curry all the women were having their dinners around me and I just felt like what is going on it was so surreal and uh, the, the midwife came in and I grabbed her by the hand I remember looking into her eyes and I went I can't breathe and what I it was probably a really poor choice of words but what I meant was they just kept coming and coming and I just could not catch a breath and I just felt like I couldn't do anything other than you know that just everything was coming and I couldn't catch a breath <laughs> the midwife and I, I say the fucking midwife and I don't mean this in the, they're, they're angels but she went look girl she's wrong <laughs> actually I won't say anything just in case anyone knows there but she's like girl you're grand women have been doing this for years just fine you're fine you're grand now in lovely I'm making her sound like she was patronizing me it was lovely but I went in my head fuck you fuck you I'm not having a panic attack I'm not panicking but I am panicking but this is fucking unbearable just I just can't breathe I just need five minutes to take a deep breath I just can't breathe and then not sure what the timeline is but I turned around to my partner at one stage and I said there was no bed in the labour ward for me which is why I was still in the normal ward even though they had brought me in to be induced (laughs) but anyway there was no bed in the labour ward and I said get that fucking midwife and tell her that I want to go to the labour ward 
no. <laughs> Gwent, you're fine. Just take a deep breath. She said you're fine. And again, not in a shitty way, but it was yeah. just this, he was listening to what they were saying outside the curtain and all this. And he was like, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know what got into me, but I just went, fuck this. Fuck the lot of you. And I went to stand up. The whole bed was under me was blood. There was blood and everything. And I was like, mm, I know there's something like that, but I was like, this doesn't look right. This doesn't feel right. To me then, Damien, call the midwife, whatever. It felt to me then like that there was a bed. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. In the ward, and I was being boiled up to the ward, and I kept, and they were like, um, "The last time that I was checked, that I don't remember being checked, was the I was only three or four centimeters." So they were like wheeling me up. I felt like it was all da di da. I kept saying, "Can I have my epidural now?" I just wanted anything just to take a breath, mm. just to not sit back and relax but just to catch my breath and just to pull myself together um and D- Damien said that I kept asking for my epidural and as they were wheeling me up to the labor ward at one point I said can I have my epidural now and he said the two midwives just looked at each other and he said at that point he knew in his heart and soul that I wasn't that I wasn't getting an epidural um and he, he he didn't really understand it, obviously, himself, why I wasn't getting it. But I was brought in, I was checked. I was already nine centimetres. So I had done most of my labouring in the room 
my water broke at 12 and he came at four. So within four hours, he was born. And again, that's like pretty, that's like, well, what else would you want? He was in, you're out, you were fine. But it was just this spiral of, it was just, I, I don't, I don't know now whether I would have preferred a long labor to try and get used to things or whether the quick labor was a blessing. I'm not sure, but I went into the labor ward and yeah, I gas near, that was it. And I had been fucking roaring about an epidural, sorry about my language. I had been roaring about an epidural since my waters broke because <laughs> my mom, God love her, my mom was like, keep reminding them that you want your epidural, don't let them forget. So it's funny the things that cross your mind, like even though I was so disconnected from everything, I remember my mom being like, keep, keep telling them. I'd say I was like a broken record asking for it, but in the end, no gas and air. And went in, he was out and yeah, by four o'clock he was born. Um, and I don't remember the labour at all. I was going to say, how how was the pushing stage? I know it was bad because, again, these disconnected thoughts. At one point, I remember saying to myself, this is where I'm going to die. I'm going oh. to part. Yeah, I did. And I mean... Again, even when I'm saying that, so many horrendous things have happened to mothers and have happened to babies. And I'm not saying that lightly. You know, I was, my life wasn't in danger. There was nothing physically, but the pain. I just, because I just think mentally I wasn't ready. Again, induction, my body wasn't ready. I just remember at one point and I said, I'm going to die. I actually feel like I'm being ripped in two. Um, and I was like, this is it. And again, these intrusive thoughts, this is what you get now. <laughs> this is what you get now. Um, but got Damien, like, God love him afterwards. He said it was, he said it was violent. He said there was nothing nice about it. Um, Connor got stuck. Um, and uh, he... They had called for theatre. They had called for blood. And again, all this was over his head. I don't remember any of this. Um, and I know they're not thinking of your partner and that they're just trying to, but you're hearing all these things and you're looking at me. And he said the noises I was making. He said like he, he never heard a human sound like that at all. And he said at one point that he thought, I don't know whether it's the same time I thought I was going to break into. But he said at one point he thought that they were just going to break me in half. There was a midwife on each leg and the doctor was in the middle pushing on my perineum or whatever it is. And he was like, stop. Like he said, literally, my legs were like right back and they were pushing. The doctor was pushing that way and they were pushing that way. He was like, what are you doing to her? And he's, they were like, they said something about counter pressure and blah, 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 blah. And then again, instead of talking to him, he said that uh, the doctor turned around in front of him to one of the other doctors um, and said, uh, if this doesn't come out now in, in two pushes, we're going to theatre. And he just, he said he went down into my ear and he was like, come on, you can do this, you can do this. What I like, But just to 
bounce back actually it went from <laughs> me being like oh, I want my epidural I want my epidural and then I was like something's happening and he said all of a sudden then there was like just there was about 10 doctors in the room and they were all running around and they were all like what do we do and blah 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 and all this and nobody once said to him this is what's happening it's going to be okay or you know whatever it was just all this and again I know there's only so much that you can do in in the delivery room and things like that but I've still said it if there I really think that there should be someone in the room that's just assigned to Mm. uh, like a doula now that I know that that's just assigned to care of mom care of dad just a, a, a presence just watching out for things and um yeah, they were talking about Connor being stuck and whatever. So look, he came out and this is the part that I harbour the most guilt for. And again, I'm not really too short time frames, but he came out and they put him on my chest and I went, get it off me. I just could not. I looked at him and I was like, what, what, what the fuck is this? Get it off me. And then like that, he was gone. And not one person thought, okay, I had asked for them, them to take him off me. Mm. but not one person thought about coming back to me a couple of minutes later saying are you okay or not one like if one person in that room had it came up to my shoulder and went it's okay to feel the way you're feeling mm. because I was starting to come around then I knew the baby was out I knew what I was after saying I started this spiral again I've gone Jesus Christ what is wrong with me um that was it I was torn they gave me an episiotomy but I tore anyway um they were over an hour stitching me with gas and air um and that whole time not one person came back to me and said do you want to raise oh sure (laughs) do you know what I mean and I know probably physically they couldn't because I mean, I was huffing that gas and air being stitched. Like I was just, I, you know, obviously the adrenaline is going through you. I got the shakes, the tea chatter, and all that. But not one person said to me, do you, do you want your baby back? So the whole time that I was being, I was, it's so funny, I was like off my face on gas and air. And in the back of my mind, I still had those horrible thoughts. And again, I keep saying I remember thinking they're all just these fragments but at another stage I went you're actually so fucked up like what is wrong with you the baby's here now why are you still thinking like this um and after that then it's just a bit of a blur um I know I was being stitched and I eventually got Connor back and I gave him a food but straight away there was just that disconnect and I could just feel it happening. Just okay. There's the baby. Right. 
grace. You just, I don't know. I just it didn't feel like mine. And again, looking like looking back and talking to people and being more vocal about it, I know that is fairly common. But I just started this spiral again then of being like, you are already such a shit mother. Look at you. And we we, we went down to the ward. Maybe it was there. And the midwife went to me, how many bottles do you want? I went, how the fuck am I supposed to know how many bottles I want? A simple thing like that. I spent the whole night replaying that in my head, going, is there something wrong with me that I didn't know how many bottles I need? Does he have enough bottles? Am I feeding him enough? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? Something simple of how many bottles do you want just sent me into the depths of despair, like completely doubting myself. Um, We were in for three or four days, I think, because I had um, tested for the grippy strep. Um, So they had to watch for all that and watch for whatever they were watching for even now I don't really fully understand what they were watching for but I know that that's why I was being kept in um or maybe it was two days sorry my my times are all completely screwed I was kept in for longer than the norm anyway um so we got home and just it was more than that fog it was just a complete and utter disconnect I knew he was mine And I did have feelings for him, but everything else was completely overshadowing those feelings. And I went back to the whole, something's going to happen. You are not right for this. You know, he'd be better off with someone else. Now, not that I was going to harm myself or not that I was going to do anything like that, but I just felt so (sighs) incredible. I was just, I... I can't even put into words what I felt, but it was just, it was horrendous. Um, and I was obviously really sore. I had torn, I knew I had torn really badly. Um, but I don't know, do they not tell you anymore? Or what? Well, I didn't ask, but I don't know how, what I tore or whatever. But I knew I had torn pretty badly. And the public health nurse came out and she was checking my stitches and she, was just wonderful um so after all that um Connor was 12 days old and when he was 11 days old sorry when Connor was 11 days old uh I squatted down and my stitches burst um and I felt a pop didn't really feel any pain it's like grand the following morning I was having a shower and sod's law because it's me first time I had really reached down there Mm. hadn't looked but you know to wash myself or whatever and there was something dangling down it was a thread but I just went (gasps) what is this falling apart um my mum had come to stay my mum had taken a week off work um, come to stay with me my mum is a carer and I just went, something's wrong with me, something's wrong. And some people are like, whoa, but my mum went, do you want me to take a look? And I said, yes, please, will you take a look? Um, so she looked and she said, 
and when she did that, I looked at that and I was like, oh my God. And she went, just give the public health nurse the ring. Um, and I said, yeah. I said, they, they don't restitch anymore. I said, are you sure? Uh, they don't, it's it's not normal practice to be restitched and blah, blah, blah. And she went, yeah, just, just give the public health nurse a ring. So public health nurse came over and public health nurse saw me and she rang the maternity that night. Um, I, like, I had properly popped the stitches. And the maternity said to her, I can come in straight away or keep it clean keep it dry and come in first thing in the morning and they'd be able to see me quicker because there'd be more staff on so I said that's fine no problem so the following day Connor was 12 days old I got up went into maternity um sorry Connor was 10 days old I'm getting mixed up got up and went into maternity um saw a wonderful doctor absolutely the nicest doctor that I had met during my whole journey um and he said yeah I think we'll restitch you um and I was like right okay and he said do you want to come back in tomorrow do you want to stay today and I said oh, can I come in on Friday um because I was induced my partner's paternity leave hasn't kicked in yet until Monday um and look all this I said anyway I said am I okay till Friday this was Wednesday can I come in Friday they said yeah just look if anything happens in the meantime keep it dry keep it clean blah 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 the I went in then that came home even stopped for a coffee on all the way home tried to pull myself together Connor was with my mom I knew everything was okay and Connor had been a bit funny that night um he was whimpering um and he was a bit off and say for example he didn't take his 3am bottle um and I got up and I said to my mom I squint the hospital now to be checked I said Connor didn't have his bottle not really sure checked his temperature I had one of those under the arm thermometers everything was fine um and his temperature was fine it seemed fine to me and all this um and I went away again this guilt like even thinking back is even now I'm starting to come out of it and I still can't shake it oh stopping for a coffee and blah 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 my mum texted and she said Connor had his 9am bottle for example whatever it was I was like oh great we'll go for a coffee I'll take five minutes to myself like blah blah got home anyway and Connor was just whimpering just he was like a little kitten that's the only way I can describe it if you've ever heard a newborn kitten whimpering this went on for a while and I was like oh something not something not right and in the back of my head I was like ha 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 fucking told you there you go again look at you you shit ass mother fucking going to Starbucks on your way home for coffee and your child not well and blah 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 but I still didn't fully comprehend at the time like you know that I knew he wasn't well and there was something wrong whatever so I rang my GP and I said my baby is 12 days old and I said he's off his bottles but he's whimpering um Every time you moved him or jostled him, he was like whimpering and he was never going into a full-blown cry, but he was whimpering. The GP wouldn't see us. Um, they had no free appointments. 
for a 12 day old baby yeah no for appointments they wouldn't see her um and I got it I got a bit rude to her and I'm not a rude person at all and I said so she said um if you're still concerned you can ring and dock at six o'clock and I went to her so you're my GP and I said pretty much telling me to wait until six o'clock and because you have no emergency appointments um don't know what was said after that but didn't end up seeing it so six o'clock came rang, and the nurse that rings you back I was like look first time mom I've been a little bit anxious <laughs> understatement of the century still didn't fully trust myself because of everything I'd been feeling I said look maybe it's just colic maybe it's just one of those but he just really hasn't stopped moaning all day um and he was on my shoulder and the nurse went to me that's not a colic cry um I'm sure anybody out there that's had a baby with colic now I know the difference they scream Mm. this she said that that's not a colic cry she said just to be safe maybe just pop into the hospital and uh we Again, even on the way into the hospital, I was kind of like, part of me was like, oh, here you go. You've done this now. You've manifested this. And then the other part of me was like, all the doctors and nurses are going to laugh at me. It's gonna, I'm going to be one of those first time mothers now rushing into the hospital that they're all. There was just two sides of me constantly battling with each Always other. Always conflicting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we... Um, got into the hospital and they took us straight through obviously he wasn't vaccinated he was so small and this nurse (laughs) sorry doctor came over after a few minutes and what seems to be the problem I said ah just you know he's not well and and she said any temperature and I said no (laughs) and she said ask something else and I was like no at that point in my head I was like you fucking idiot look at you sitting here in the hospital and you know and then she went and and what so what seemed to be the problem and I said oh he's been whimpering and just this flash crossed of her her face and she said whimpering I said yeah and she said for how long and I said um since about three o'clock this morning on and off but in the last couple of hours it's been worse and she said, okay, okay, we'll take his temperature. She took his temperature and like that, she just like grabbed him out of my arms and she went that way. And we were like, what is going on? And she said, come here, come here. She went into her room, pushed a button on the wall and a, a load of doctors came in and just didn't know what happened. And they started stripping him. They were all looking at him. They were all everything and after a couple of hours a doctor came in and he said um you have a really sick baby and he said the next 48 hours are critical um he has an infection we can't get his temperature down and oh my god I thought my legs were going to buckle you just you never think you're going to hear that I had thought this the whole time and then it was said to me and it was like my whole world came crashing down um so that was all there was all rigmarole with that um 
I was supposed to be going in the next day to be yeah. restitched. And again, like that, don't know why I did it. I just went, oh, crap. I'm supposed to be in the hospital tomorrow. Like the things that go through your head. And the doctor said to me, why? And I said, oh, my stitches burst. <laughs> like pure dead to the world, like no emotion whatsoever. And he went, huh? and I was like, oh, my stitches burst there two days ago. I'm going in to be restitched. And he went, have you an open wound now? And I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he taught me to go home. And he said that I was to go into the hospital and they were treating Connor for aseptic meningitis. Um, so obviously the protocol is um, he wasn't stable enough to do a lumbar puncture. Um, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have been able for it. So they started treating him as if he had meningitis, but it was more septicemia. Um, and they were hoping it hadn't spread to the brain because once it spreads to the brain, it's considered meningitis. So they were treating him for that. And he said to two people with sepsis, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Sure, I wasn't here in any of it. And I said, look, I promise, I promise I'll go to the hospital tomorrow. I'll go to the hospital tomorrow. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I don't know what they all talking about me. I don't know what it was. But I daily went home and I stayed with Connor. And a couple of the nurses had come in overnight and said, are, are you going to the hospital in the morning? And I said, yeah, yeah, I am. And that morning then this amazing nurse, she was with us the whole time. And she said, what, what time are you going to the hospital at? I don't know how they were all thinking of this or I don't know, was it written on Connor's chart that they were all whatever, but they all just kept like, you know, and I was like, oh, I don't know, am I going? And she's like, no, no, you're going. You, you need to look after yourself. Your, your baby is ill, but there's no point in two of you being ill you know, go to the hospital, but I was raging. They find that I had any emotion other than, well, <laughs> that I had any emotion. I was just raging. Um, I went over, got a taxi over. I went in and I was admitted to be resitched. And <laughs> I don't know, is irony the right word? They gave me an epidural. And I said, you have got to be kidding me. Said, My child, they're talking about transferring him to Crumlin. And I said, now you're giving mm. an epidural. You didn't give me one 12 days ago. I'm not taking an epidural. I was so angry. I said to them, do it with nothing. <laughs> I said, you are not incapacitating me for six hours. Mm. I said, not a fucking hope. He said, you didn't do it when I wanted it. And, and now you're talking about it. I was raging. Um, but look. There was nothing. I had to get the epidural and it was the longest six hours of my life lying in that hospital bed. And I had started to come out of what I was feeling prior. And when I was lying in that bed, waiting for the epidural to wear off. I was like, you're going to lose mind. I just, I, I felt like I was just going to snap. I said, you, you need to do something now or you're you're just going to lose your mind. And I just shut off everything. I mean, I was disconnected up to that point, but I literally just completely shut down. Um, don't know what, well, it was, it was a defence mechanism, obviously, but um, 
yeah, after that, I just, I felt absolutely nothing. Um, I knew we were in hospital and I knew he was very ill and I was upset over that, but didn't let my, myself feel that. Um, but again, there was these thoughts that I had done this, that this was my fault. He was going to die because I wanted him to die all along. And I was thinking all these horrible things. Um, and I just completely had to block everything out. I, I don't think I would have got through it if I if I did that. But it probably at the time it was the best thing that I could have done to get through it. But it's taken me a long time to bring it back. Um, when we got home then, I was just, here we are, we're home. And um, yeah, I just felt absolutely nothing whatsoever. Um, I was completely shut down. I knew was, I was talking as well. Sorry. How long was Connor in hospital for? Uh, 16 days. Okay. Um, it's the treatment for it is 16 days of antibiotics um, or f- 15 days of antibiotics. And he was in the night before. So, yeah, it was 16, 17 days. Um, and he is nine months next week. And even when I was talking to you a couple of months ago, I was still completely in the heights of it. It's only really now in the last couple of months that kind of feeling anyway I won't say normal because you know I call myself abnormal it's not and it's not a nice thing to say but um it's only it's only kind of now that I'm starting to come out of it and starting to enjoy things and um what was pointed out to me was that the, the connection thing with him was I obviously had this fear that something was going to happen to him again and was like oh sure I knew this was going to happen all along so well I'm not falling in love with you because you're going to you're going something's going to happen to you and you're going to go and it's obviously not as um cut and dry as that but uh, that's the that's the way it was explained to me and that's that that's kind of the what made sense in my head for it to make me feel like that um but yeah so that was it it definitely wasn't pretty um but yeah, like, I just, I really feel that it's just not talked about it enough. Maybe, maybe I wouldn't have felt the way I felt, or maybe I was always going to feel the way I felt. Mm. But if I, if at any point I had a spoke to someone the way I'm speaking now and realised there's nothing wrong with how you're feeling, there, you know, maybe you do need a little bit of help. Maybe I wouldn't have spiralled down so far. Um, and again, there's all ifs and buts like in the hospital. If someone just had a spotted that I had said, get my baby off me. I mean, how maybe people say that all the time. Maybe that's completely normal and no one has ever admitted to it. I haven't heard anyone say that. Um, but I think if someone had it just picked up on the fact that I had said that, um, maybe I wouldn't have got as bad as what I got um and I really there's definitely opportunities there for people to see 
I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that maybe it wouldn't have taken. It took away a lot of the joy of having a baby. I wasn't. I mean, I'm sure, like, if anyone listens to this that knows me now, I don't think they even realise what was going on in my head. Um, because I was definitely talking the talk. It's like, oh, isn't he beautiful? But I didn't. I was saying things. Mm, yeah. Because I was like, this is what I'm supposed to say about my baby. But I didn't feel it. And you know, there's people going, ha. Oh, are you absolutely mad about him? Is he the love of your life? I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Michelle, it must have been so, so lonely and scary. Yeah, that it was so lonely. Mm. It was, that, yeah, that's that's it. Like, and, oh, woe is me. And, you know, and then it, but, oh, just incredibly lonely. And, yeah, I just, I felt... I felt like I was just on my own. Mm. I just felt like there was nowhere that, that I just, I couldn't say these things. It would make me a really horrible person if I said these things. Um, and I realised I'm not a horrible person. And I was just going through, you know, so much crap. And obviously I wasn't in the right frame of mind to be pregnant and to have a baby. Maybe it was the circumstances. I don't know. Maybe it was always going to happen to me. Maybe it was just, I, I do have anxiety. I, I do, you know, but not to that extent. So yeah, maybe it was something that was always going to happen to me. But it just there was just so many opportunities for people in the healthcare setting to say, hang on a second now. You know, and even that time when I was like, I can't breathe. Mm. Then I was like, oh, my God, she's she's not looking after me because she thinks I'm anxious. And then that spiraled into this is the reference to midwife saying, you're fine, just breathe. I spiraled into a going, they're not taking me seriously because they think I'm having a panic attack. So then it made me afraid to say how I was feeling as well, because I felt like there was that judgment and there was that stigma there you know that if I had said something that it was going to escalate and there was even a point there I said to the public health nurse um that I was feeling that way but even a part of me like I I didn't fully admit everything that I was feeling there was no harmful thoughts it wasn't going to harm me wasn't going to harm Connor it was nothing like that but there was a part of me that was still holding back and even the, the psychologist rang me um, because the public health nurse had obviously left my house and she had rang and she said, we need an intervention or whatever the procedure is. And the psychologist, I do not remember that conversation with the psychologist. Don't remember. I know they, I know they rang me, didn't know her name, but I knew that I didn't tell her everything. Because in the back of my mind, I was like, they're going to take them off me anyway. They're going to say I'm a shit mother. They're going to do it. They obviously recognised that I was unwell and that, you know, there was something. But even at that point, there was just something in me stopping me from being completely open and honest because of this stigma and this fear arounding that oh, I'm the only one in the whole world that's feeling like this and it must be me. There's something wrong with me that I didn't, I don't. 
I don't want to be a mom. I don't want this and I don't want that. And and then again, like I said, that the guilt associated with all of that nearly crushed me. It really nearly crushed me. And again, I felt like I couldn't say it because there are so many people struggling. Babies are wonderful. They're a gift. And it was just it, the, the guilt associated with everything that I had been feeling was was the overwhelming feeling. It was just completely crushing me. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and what that, help did you get? Um, the public health nurse um, referred me on to the GP. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, <laughs> I did get help and everything was actioned so quickly. But in the immediate aftermath of me saying to the public health nurse that I felt really disconnected um, and that I knew I loved Connor, but I didn't feel like I was in love with him. Like, you know, I didn't have that, again, that whole, oh my God, your baby is on your, on your, your torso or what is it, on your chest when you've, you've had him and you just have this overwhelming load and everything goes away. I just thought I was completely abnormal for not having that. Um, but they medicated me and again what seven months later uh six months later <laughs> do I think that was the right thing to do mm. I won't say the right thing to do but <sighs> the, this whole conventional thing of just like medicating everything um and doing that like I took it I was like oh this will make me feel better but Again, if I could go back, I think I would have preferred just someone just to sit down and talk to me. Did you have the opportunity to sit down and speak to anyone? I had to wait for an appointment with a psychologist. Yeah, I had to wait for it. Um, So the immediate thing was to medicate me and for my GP to write my prescription. Um, And of course, again, that whole stigma is like, oh, they're medicating me. There's really something wrong with me oh, now I'm on medication and, oh, God, how can I tell anybody this? Blah, 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 blah. Like, even my mum, when I said to her they're putting me on medication, she was like, oh, oh, really? Oh, do you know that? <laughs> and it wasn't a bad thing either, but, yeah, it, it helped, but it didn't help. I don't think that that's the answer either. Obviously, I know there's a protection issue and, they, they have to look out for all that but I, I just I don't think that was the that was the right call for me at the time and I, I think that if I just had I had the opportunity to speak to someone the way I'm speaking to you now I don't think I would have spiraled um I mean even after I admitted that I wasn't feeling right it didn't stop it it got worse before it got better. Um, and there's a there's a, a lady here, um, and she does baby massage, and she is absolutely she's just such a wonderful woman. And I don't know what happened, but one of the nights her thing popped up on my Instagram, and there was classes starting, and I messaged her and uh, got into the, the the baby massage and. 
I was really, 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 really bad, having a bad few days. So literally, whatever gets me through the day, I was literally going hour by hour. Like, okay, when he wakes up, I'll give him his bottle. And then when I give him his bottle, I'll do this. And then I'll do this. And then I'll do this. And then Damien will be home. And then I can go to bed. And then we'll get through tomorrow. I was literally counting down hour by hour just to try and get through. I wasn't soaking up any of that love. I wasn't in any bubble. There was there was the bubble in my head, but there was no love bubble. Um, and again, those intrusive thoughts, I'm abnormal for not having a love bubble. And I knew I wasn't well and I'd been told I wasn't well and there was people watching out for me, but I was still get through the day, get through the day. And um, do you know that whole thing that you have to get worse before you get better? That was... That was my breaking point. Nothing happened. But that day I woke up and I was like, I just, I can't cope. Mm. I'm never going to get better. He's going to have such a shit life with me as a mom. And again, it wasn't fully at the, I, I'm going to hire myself. You know, I had no thoughts like that. Um, but I was just like, no, no, I, 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 no, I can't be his mom. I, I can't, I can't do this. And the baby massage classes were starting that day, and I was just sitting on the ground beside his cot, and I was just crying, and I just, I couldn't move. I just was just crying. I was looking at him and I was crying and then I was looking at him again and I was like, well, why don't I love you? Why why don't I love you? What is wrong with me? It had all kind of come to a peak. Yeah. And I don't know, again, there, there, if you believe in all that, there must have been someone looking out for me because I don't know what happened. I just had this moment and I went, I can't go to these baby massage classes. I had been thinking that all morning and I was like, oh, he's going to start crying and they're all going to be looking at me and they're all going to know that I'm a shit mother and they're all going to know that I'm not well and oh, they're all, you know, all this, it was complete crap like. Um, whatever happened, I went, no, no. Do you know what? We'll, she only happens to be down the road here. This was my saving grace. We'll go for a walk. And... I got up, had a bit of a wobble going out the door. And again, there was just something in me. We're just going for a walk. We're, we're not going to the class. No, we've decided we're not going to the class. But I'll walk in that direction. <laughs> and I walked in that direction. And the whole time, it was like all these thoughts. And I, I, I don't even know how I walked there. Like my legs just felt like jelly. And I was just, it's like, no. No, I'm I'm going to have to find a new mother for Connor. Like where where was I even going? Like what what was I even thinking? Um, no, I, I don't, like why would you even think like that? Like how <laughs> you know where where would you be even begin to think something like that? So it wasn't that I was planning on not being around anymore, but it was just I was like no 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 you're you're too good for this. You've you nearly died and now you're lived and you deserve to live and you deserve the best life that you can and that's not me. And I was walking down and I went in that direction <laughs> and literally I was like, no, no, I'm going home, I'm going home, can't do this. They're all going to look at me. 
And I told her this. Um, I told her on the last class. And I don't know fully if she even knows how much she means to me now. She was outside her house and she looked and she had obviously recognised me from WhatsApp or whatever the picture. She said, hello. And I went, fuck. (laughs) I went, oh, she spotted me now. What am I going to do? Oh, I'll just have to tell her I don't want to go in and I'll just have to tell her that I made a mistake. And she came over and she just, hello, and gave me the biggest hug. She's just that type of a person. And she's like, how are you? Oh, my God, you look fantastic. Oh, look at this little bruiser. Isn't he fantastic? Blah, blah. Before I know it, I was in her studio. We were sitting down. We were getting ready for the bathing massage. And that is the moment I she saved my life. Oh, Michelle. <laughs> not, again, I, not saved my life in that I was going to do something. But I don't know what would have happened after that but oh my god I told her and I said it to her in the very last act I said you've no idea what you did for me like that just just you being you you didn't even do anything but that was the turning point and I got to that class and I was sitting there and Connor is a really placid baby and it's not bragging it's not a bad thing (laughs) he's such a placid baby um uh he very rarely cries. He smiles all the time. Even when he was newborn, wasn't smiling. He was very placid. I thought that he was crying all the time when he was doing that. But there was a, another woman in the class and her baby just didn't stop crying. And I don't mean that in a, a mean mm. way or anything. And nobody batted an eyelid. Nobody batted an eyelid. But I was in the corner and I was like feeling the walls crashing down around me. And I was like, oh my God. And then I just saw her and feeding the baby, whipped out her boob, not a bother, and still talking away. Shh, shh, shh. The baby was crying. I was like, your baby's crying. Like completely consumed by the fact that, because if he had cried, I was over and I was trying to stop him from crying. And you know, sometimes they cry. I know that now. But completely nonchalant, so natural so everything and between that mom whose baby didn't stop crying the whole class and the lady that was hosting the classes yeah those two people just completely saved me that was the point that I feel that I had the turnaround wow oh my god (laughs) so powerful like like it's like that day was like chosen for you to you know to to have that the 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 worst day and then everything else just followed to to for, for your life to get so much I think so, so you yeah. can live your life yeah 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 but like that like I'm like what I said to you that just if any if someone had spoken to me like this yeah and yeah. just said to me that it was okay and then the importance of baby massage baby yoga everything like there's some people even now that like roll their eyes at it and they're like oh for god's sake like would you I am telling you this these things are just so so important Mm. they are so so important and the people that are running them and the people that are going to them you don't know what anyone's going through and 
just to even be in the situation where she saw me she's like oh my god hi she acted like I was the best mother in the world without even saying that I was the best mother in the world she was like oh isn't he so good isn't he I was like why is she talking to me like that can she not see that like I didn't put his nappy on properly this morning or do you know something like that no I'm still talking still talking he's gone to bed <laughs> um, but yeah I, I forget what I was saying there now sorry but I don't I don't think anybody realises the importance of these kind of things and again I think it's something that should be spoken about and advocated for and that when you're pregnant and you go to the doctor to confirm your pregnancy the doctor goes you should definitely look into these things or Mm. you know pregnancy yoga and things like that just to connect with other mothers because now from talking to people I know that I'm not alone I obviously took it further than maybe a lot of people but now I'm like oh god if someone had just said to this to me 18 months ago they could have saved me a whole lot of trouble and you know what what you're doing is like i'm sure you've heard this before it's just it's wonderful it's phenomenal (laughs) yeah it's absolutely fantastic like it's, it's just so important it really is it's so important once again thank you to michelle for sharing her story if you would like to share your story you're more than welcome to you can just get in touch over the website irelandsbirthstories.ie which I have linked in the show notes click on the share your story tab fill out a few details and I will get back to you as soon as possible I will speak to you on Monday with a brand new episode Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.